To Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello, everyone. If you would like to get to know more about Awakening Reformation podcasts, head over to rebelalliancemedia.com and check out our podcast and media network. Do it. We have several other podcasts. Erica and I record a podcast with our kids, which is geared towards families and teaching your kids church history and theology. This summer, we have been going through a study called Systematics for Saplings. Right now, we're about halfway through. Mm -hmm. It's 12 weeks. Every week, we are posting on the blog on the website the study guide for you to use with your kids throughout that week. And then every Monday, we've been releasing an episode that corresponds to the doctrine being taught through that week. Mm -hmm. So that's a big thing we're doing this summer. Go check it out on the website and subscribe to the podcast feed so you get the episodes. For sure. On Wednesdays, P-Nate and Poots up in Canada release their podcast, the Rebel Podcast. They are the OG podcasters of this network. Yep. Keeping it fresh. Ben Emery is working on season two of his Redeeming History podcast. Not released yet, but in the works. In the works. Season one is available on our feed, so you can go back and get that. He covered the time leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. So if you like church history, go check it out. And that's a really well done, more produced sound effects. It's really good. It's, it's a good podcast. Better than us. It's better. <laughs> good job. Good job, Ben. We always give Ben kudos. He's just amazing. Ben's been like very busy this season, and we've been missing him hardcore. Yeah, I know. It's a gaping hole yep. in our network with Ben being busy. I'm sure y'all have felt it too. Yeah. Ben keeps us on the up and up. Well, there's, I mean, there's a huge hole. It's called Thursday. Well, I just mean like everything in general. Well, he's, like, <laughs> he's like the polisher, you know? Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Our other podcast... We're unpolished. We're, we're a little rough with Ben being out. Our other podcast is called the Podcast for Cultural Reformation, which comes out of the Ezra Institute with uh, Joe Boot leading that up. Ryan Aris as well has been hosting that podcast, which comes out on Fridays. Mm -hmm. So go check that out. Ending the week strong. Yeah. So subscribe to the feed so that way you get our new episodes every week and sign up for our newsletter on the website so you get announcements of new content that comes out. Mm -hmm. Also, if you feel so inclined to support us financially, we have a Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash rebel alliance and we would love to take your money. Any and all of it if you <laughs> want. No, we don't want all of it. I mean, God's giving you responsibilities. Take care of stuff, but. Yeah, take care of your responsibilities first and then help us, you know, keep but this we'll thing going. we'll take some of it. Yeah. So if you'd like to become a patron. That. Patreon. That is where you can do it. Ben, come at me. <laughs> you want... <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, so... Just trying to bait you back into the swing of things. Yeah, good Come job. back. That's good. So tonight is going to be sort of a pause in our Covenant Theology series. We're actually going to answer a few questions and clarify a couple things mm -hmm. based on the first couple of... Uh, episodes of the Covenant Theology series. We've done three so far, so we're going to like pause it, we're going to answer a couple questions, and then bring on some of our favorite people to talk about another topic. Okay. Yeah, get excited. So first question of the night, this is kind of a hot topic right now. Mm -hmm. The Rebels kind of talked about this. They did. When we did the Beth Moore episode. Right. And so a question that we wanted to answer is why Erica is on this podcast and why she can talk theology if women are not supposed to teach in the church. There have been lots of discussions that have happened surrounding this topic as of late. A la Beth Moore. Yeah. And other people even more liberal than her who actually have no problem with female leadership in the church, mm -hmm. female teaching leadership in the church. Yeah. You're my, you're my head, so you can go ahead and speak for me. 
So I think one of the one of the easiest ways to answer this question, if someone's worried that Erica is is holding any sort of authority in the theological realm in the church by being a co-host on this podcast, which aims to equip Christians and to hopefully help them in their theological understanding of the Bible, is that we're just a podcast. We are not a church. We're literally in our closet. We're we're literally in a closet. With a squeaky chair. On an army base in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> I'm in a bathrobe. And uh, we're painting a good picture here for pajamas. you guys. Pajamas. This we're... is how much authority. I don't. Even, I'm not even wearing a pantsuit. Yeah, no. Yeah. And that. That's almost no like power suit here, guys. One, one, <laughs> that's like one of their requirements is a yeah, pantsuit. Exactly. I don't know if I. No uh, Joyce. No Beth. No, no Priscilla. Paula, Paula White. No Paula. Nope. There's a lot of not nice. Lady names <laughs> that come with being females in authority. I'm sorry if your name is Paul. My mom's name is oh, Beth. Like your actually. mom's name is Beth. <laughs> sorry, mom. <laughs> I actually don't mind the name Beth. <laughs> Beth's the one. The one that's cool. It's the other ones that are bothersome. Anyway, we're not talking about baby <laughs> names here. I know that some people would even extend the restrictions on women talking theologically to evangelism. There yeah. are some in the yeah. very strict crowd that say a woman should not even be on the street evangelizing because that is an official role in the church that should only be done by ordained ministers because those are the ones who are specifically mm-hmm. and particularly trained for gospel ministry. Mm-hmm. Now, I know for most of the American Christian world, that's ludicrous to them. Well, and I think that, yeah, that would be... It's just on the uber extreme conservative side that has that very strict view. And I have heard people that I love and respect even say that a woman should never correct men in general. Like yeah. a woman should be have a gentle and quiet spirit. We should be submissive in nature. And that um, when scripture talks about a wife submitting to her husband, that it is implying that women in general should be submissive to men in general. That there's something about the way that God designed men and women to where a woman is, um, I want to say like eternally submissive, like Jesus, quote unquote. Mm-hmm, right. But that's almost how they're implying it. A woman yeah. should always be submissive to a man. And I think that you're kind of twisting scripture a little bit to say that a woman shouldn't correct men. Now, I think that there is some type of deference that a woman ought to like respect men in general if they're a respectable man like i respect our pastor i respect many godly men in our church in the podcasting network and if a man were to come up to everyone in the podcasting network and ask a theological question i would stand back and allow for the men to answer first Mm -hmm. and i i totally think that's something that out of respect for you i would allow for you to reach out and bridge that gap before i attempted to yeah now does that mean i am not invited to the table when everyone's sitting around discussing theology no we've had friends over couples over families over to our house all the time with men and women present and all of us are conversing about theological things right not once did I feel like if I was corrected or, uh, you know, I had a fact wrong and it was being corrected, mm-hmm. did I feel disrespected? Well, and there's a way that we can just communicate that is disrespectful. Right. And I think that would always be considered wrong. Like, I just, I don't think <laughs> yeah. that Christians ought to be disrespectful in general unless there is extenuating circumstances. Like, mm-hmm. someone's life is on the line or someone is being heretical, then I think it's okay to get worked up. But mm-hmm. I don't think you have to make personal attacks at someone necessarily. That, that shouldn't be your go-to anyway. So, especially for a woman, there is something about a woman respecting men that allows for a woman to build up and build them up, even yeah. as a brother and sister in Christ. I have a way that I can build up my brothers in Christ by the way that I approach them, the way that I talk with them, converse with them. And it should be very respectful. It should be very, I don't want to say like Christ-centered, that sounds corny, but like mm-hmm. there's something about how I communicate with other men, other brothers in Christ mm-hmm. that can affirm who they are as men, who God created them to be. But it doesn't mean that I am not allowed to talk about theology with a man. Like, 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else I would talk to them about. Or ask Like, or what, what would be more important to talk to them about? Like, yeah. to have a conversation. Like, are we supposed to sit around and talk about the weather? Like, that's the most important thing, to talk about Christ and what he's doing in our life and theology. So, it just seems ludicrous to me to say a woman can't talk theology with men. Now, a position or a role in the church, like the pastor, the elder, mm-hmm. certainly, I... I mean, anyone who knows me knows I hate public speaking, and <laughs> that's, like, nothing I ever want. Like, I, I'm i not striving for that at all, and I'm not at all yeah. advocating for the Beth Moores. No. I'm in a closet where no one sees me. <laughs> this is your comfort zone. And all of you are invisible people that I'm speaking to. So, what is an example of a woman correcting a man in an unbiblical way? A woman asserting any type of teaching authoritatively, teaching with authority. If a woman is in church or a community group or any church-governed ministry, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say, uh, if she is exercising authority over him outside of, hey, you may only have one donut (laughs) because I'm in charge of hospitality. Like, I'm not talking like that. I'm talking like she is authoritatively teaching him what scripture requires of him not encouraging him but like teaching him and like enforcing it having the ability to enforce it then i think that's wrong so can i make a scenario yes please okay so a a man is leading a community group Mm -hmm. he solicits feedback from the group Mm -hmm. like what did you think about said question or yeah exactly and a guy in the crowd Mm -hmm. responds with theological error right he says i think it was xyz but but his theology is in error and a woman in the group Mm -hmm. who is more theologically astute than this gentleman says well actually this verse says you know da 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 Mm -hmm. and corrects him Mm -hmm. did she was she wrong in doing that i think possibly okay (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> well, I don't know. You just said that and looked at me. It was just funny. Um, so so you said possibly. How how could it be wrong? How could it be right? Okay. So I think if her heart is to like... It's like hypothetical situations are hard, right? Yeah. Like if, if the situation was, does the Bible condone homosexual marriage? If the men in the group are saying yes and the, no one else is saying anything... Mm-hmm then I think a woman should stand up and say, no, actually, Scripture is very yeah. clear about like this. Like, someone should stand up for truth. Yes. And praise the woman. Who... But I, Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, um, but if the woman is the first to speak and isn't willing or praying that a man will step up and lead the conversation in a godly way, mm-hmm. if she just wants to hurry up and get her answer out there because she knows the right answer, then I think maybe she should be quiet Mm -hmm. and allow for someone else to speak and then if no one else is speaking truth then step up to the plate and be a deborah but the fact of the matter is not whether or not the woman is answering the question it's the heart behind why she's answering the question is it because she wants to be the one that seems smart and right Mm -hmm. and in doing so she is keeping her brothers from their role in leading then that would be the sin. Not that she's answering the question necessarily, but the fact that she's not wanting her brothers to yeah. lead. She's taking away an opportunity for the brothers to lead the right. conversation. So maybe, maybe not. It just mm-hmm. kind of depends. And we do this with our kids too. Like they have like a chore list and every morning they have personal reading and Bible reading and they, right. they do personal reading by themselves and Bible reading together. Mm-hmm. And as soon as... Uh, our middle child, who's the boy, was able to read. I always have him read the scripture. I I want to train him to be like this is this is your responsibility when you mm-hmm. have a family and you're part of this family. Lead. You're a man. I right. want to train you to lead. Yeah. I don't have a problem with my daughter's reading scripture. I don't think that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when he's sick or something happens, like they read scripture. It's I'm not against that at all. Right. But it's just my. I want my daughters to want their brother to lead. And expect and expect the that. man to be Expect the one men to step up and be the one to lead. Right. I want them to assume that that's what a man should do. 
Right. Not that they can't read scripture, but that that's what a man should do. Mm-hmm. They are not restricted from reading scripture, obviously. But like, there's an attitude around women that just think because I can do it, I ought to do it. Right. Maybe yeah, exactly. not. Maybe not. Maybe you should be quiet and let other men answer questions and step in when you're invited to step in. Don't be afraid if, if you're invited to the table. Talk. I'm not saying it's wrong to answer a question in Sunday school or community mm-hmm. group. And I think that's why God did create women, because men need helpers. You know, men, there is something about a woman that does complement a man. And women are invited to the table and they do have value. Yeah. But not in certain places like authoritative teaching in the church or church ministries. And I think even when we are invited to the table, let's be slow to speak. That's just a biblical concept as well. Yeah. And that, and actually everybody yeah. slow to speak too. Yeah. Um, Even in, in the story of Deborah in mm-hmm. scripture, like we see that because she stepped into a role of leadership, it was because men were abdicating right. their leadership. And she tried to get Barak, to, yeah, to Barak do, to do his job. Yeah, and Barak wasn't going to do his job unless she came with him. Yeah, he's like, only if you hold my hand. Yeah, basically, and she's like, fine, but God's going to deliver the yeah, victory you to get a no woman. Glory. You mm-hmm. get no glory in this in this war. A man is not going to get glory. Yep. But instead of Deborah going and doing what Barak was supposed to do, she encouraged him to still fulfill mm-hmm. the role that God had given to him. And yeah. he does get credit because of Deborah's encouragement for him to continue leading. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Can does not mean ought. Right. And that was judgment upon a people, too. Whenever yeah. a nation has female leaders, it is because God's judging them. Yeah. The book's called Judges. Yeah. So <laughs> we don't want to live in the time of judges. This isn't like the greatest time for right. Israel. Yeah. So and talking in a closet, I am not teaching authoritatively. No. If you don't like what I'm saying, don't listen to me. Don't listen to the podcast. Yeah. Plenty of people it. don't actually. Turns out there's a lot of people that don't listen. <laughs> I mean, more than more people don't listen to me than do. So that's how we have approached it. Well, and I have you here too. Like, right? I I probably I wouldn't in be check. in this network talking to like m- you know potentially to a male audience if you weren't sitting alongside of me. Yeah. So I and even when I do speak, it's primarily to women. Like any podcast I've ever hosted by myself or blogs that I've written, it's written two women primarily yeah. well and that's and that's where your heart is too right you want women to be equipped theologically sound built up encouraged and i think when we were starting the podcast part of me coming into the mix was because a lot of women won't listen to podcasts that are all male hosts mm-hmm. women are I don't know, drawn to women typically. Like we read books by women authors. Right. We do Bible studies by women teachers. I don't know like why that is, but like there's really good female podcasts like, you know, Sheologians and like other podcasts that are geared towards women that women love. And I mm-hmm. think it's because that is how God has designed for women to minister to other women. Yeah. So having me in the mix was just kind of like, maybe we'll draw in some women and they'll feel more comfortable, like, right. coming and listening to topics that women don't generally talk about, like theonomy or um, covenant, theology. covenant theology. These aren't typical women's topics, but maybe if I'm sitting next to you talking about it with you, which we do as a hobby anyway, right? maybe women will listen too. And yeah. women need to, like, learn about those topics. Well, and we have had a few... Women write us and have some super good questions about covenant theology and right. other things throughout the almost two years that we've been doing this. Yeah. So, so it has been fruitful in that aspect, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, second thing we wanted to talk about in this episode is about our episode on the covenant of works. Go figure. We had some feedback. We did have some feedback. <laughs> we understood that our view is not popular amongst... um Presbyterians amongst a lot of the reformed crowd Mm -hmm. and really not sure about the reformed Baptists. But one of the things we wanted to clarify was the blessed state that Adam was created in Mm -hmm. and, and what kind of just talk a little deeper about the nature of blessedness Adam was created in. Right. We said that every covenant has covenant blessings and covenant curses. And because of the language used in Genesis, we see that 
God created Adam and Eve, and it says that he blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. So we were saying that because they were created in covenant with God Mm -hmm. from the very beginning, that they were also created um, basically into the covenant blessings. Right. Just by virtue of being created, Mm -hmm. they were in the covenant and already received the blessing. Right. Which is which was life. Perfect life. We would say they're in eternal life. Yeah, they had there. No death was in the world. No mm-hmm. sin was in the world. They they did not have a ticking time clock. Right. Yeah. They were not winding down at all. Mm-hmm. No entropy here. Right. And so one of the things that we wanted to clarify was that Adam was created essentially into like a positive relationship with God. He was not neutral with God. He wasn't he didn't have to earn blessing. Mm hmm. And he didn't, he yeah. wasn't created obviously having any negative standing before God because right. there was no sin. Every human born after Adam is born into like the, a negative relationship with God. Right. We're already born in the negative. Mm-hmm. Adam wasn't in the negative. Adam didn't, wasn't neutral. He didn't have to try and earn right. a positive favor with God. He was created, or I don't want to say born, but he was created in a positive blessed covenant relationship with God already. But the thing that we rejected that a lot of Presbyterian um, theologians have purported. Yes. Is that there was some probationary period that Adam had to pass the test. So Mm -hmm. however long it was, no one, you know, everyone speculates because that's exactly what it is. And there are some theologians who say, Basically, we don't know how long this probationary period. Yeah, this would have went on. It could have been thousands of years. It could have been a few days. No one knows. And it's just because scripture doesn't talk about it. And what they speculate is that if Adam had passed this testing period, Mm -hmm. then he would have entered into the state that we see at the end of the Bible, which is... You're free from sin mm-hmm. and you're unable to sin. Mm-hmm. We have to say that Adam was clearly free from able sin to sin and able to sin. Yes. Um, so they want to say, then how would Adam have gotten into this unable to sin state? Yes. <laughs> and what we say is that the Bible tells us nothing about that. It doesn't say there was a probationary period. No. Or that Adam eventually, if he had remained obedient, would have been able to remain free from sin or be unable to sin. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just not in the Bible. And I think when we get into speculation, we are we have left sola scriptura. Yeah. And you just can't be dogmatic about it. Right. I mean, like. And in a sense, it's kind of like a dumb thing to even talk about because we know that the covenant of redemption preceded the covenant of works. So God didn't have a plan B for if Adam remained obedient to him. And like, there was no probationary, like hypothetical probationary period Mm -hmm. because that was never something that God ordained. Like God had already, before he created Adam already sent Jesus to the cross, essentially it says before the foundation of the world, that was the plan to rescue lost sinners. So before Adam was ever created in that positive state, God already knew that there was going to need, there's going to be a need for a redeemer. Mm-hmm. So, so is this why you're super lapsarian? Yeah. <laughs> so I just think it's kind Easy of like answer. a, I mean, we can do like so many what ifs in the Bible. Like what if, yeah. what if Joseph's brothers didn't sell him into slavery. What if Judas didn't uh, betray Jesus? I mean, there's like so many what ifs in the Bible and we just say, but it's just not how God ordained for things to happen because he had a plan for something better because God got more glory by redeeming his people and why he chose to do it that way. We can just say it was for his glory. Right, exactly. And we would have to say that there obviously was some sort of Uh, maturity and growth intended for Adam because he was put in a garden and God told him, make the rest of the world look like this, multiply. So there was obviously a growth and a continuance of 
uh, spreading good and flourishing that right. was supposed to happen prior right. to the fall. And we have verses to back that up. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that was that was the blessing, to be fruitful and multiply. Right. So clearly the earth wasn't created in its final state. Mm-hmm. There was work for Adam to do. We're not right. saying God didn't create work for Adam. Like, yeah. certainly. And that was part of the blessing. Like, anyone who's married knows that it's very, ble- like, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to reproduce with your spouse. Mm-hmm. And... We don't have to get into the crazy details of that, but, like, every married person would be like, yeah, it's a really good thing. I'm super glad that God yeah. made us able to do that. Yeah, how majestic are his ways, we say. <laughs> and to uh, subdue the earth. Like, clearly the yeah. rest of the the world at that point did not look like the Garden of Eden. God gave Adam a task to mm-hmm. cultivate it. Make it look like this beautiful, wonderful garden. Yeah, and that intention didn't go away because it's reiterated in the Noahic Covenant, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about a little bit in our episode on the Covenant of Grace. Right. Whenever that gets released. (laughs) Well, and and you can also see this with Abram Mm -hmm. when God makes a covenant with Abram, um, which is part of the Covenant of Grace, and there is difference there. But when God makes a covenant with Abram, what does he tell Abram? Like, I will make you great. Mm-hmm. I will make your descendants vast and they will be like the stars of the heavens, like yeah. innumerable. And so when he gave Abram a son, when he gave Abram Isaac, Abraham Isaac, he had a portion of that blessing, right? But then the fullness of it came later. Right. And so there was a portion of the blessing that was given to Adam and the fullness would have come later. Yes, there would have been, uh, the earth would have looked more beautiful mm-hmm. and Adam and Eve would have had tons of children. Right. And so like there would have been that maturity mm-hmm. for sure. We're not denying that at all. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I hope that clarifies some things. We're just very leery to say that Adam had to work to become, um, or to earn a positive relationship with God. Yeah. He was not created neutral and had to work for positive relations with That's, God. That is works righteousness. That's uh, the legalistic heresy of the Judaizers where mm-hmm. you need to do these extra works in order to gain favor with God uh, on top of believing in Jesus. I mean, this is a prosperity gospel. There's all kinds of things. It's kind of Arminian. Like right. it kind of has Armenian it's roots. Armenian, it's Armenian. It's Roman Catholic in a lot of ways. Yeah. There are so many, there are so many different bad theologies that fall under this. Adam must work in order to gain favor, uh, gain favor from God or mm-hmm. gain a higher standing with God or remain in covenant with God. Right. Yeah. That's not, that's not correct either. That'd be covenantal gnomism that we don't right. adhere to either. Right. And like, yes, Adam broke covenant with God. But mm-hmm. even as Adam broke covenant with God, God still in Genesis 3.15 makes a way, covers them with animal skins, and then gives them the promise of the Redeemer, the person <laughs> who would restore yeah. fellowship again, yeah, perfect he, fellowship. Yeah, he does what Jonah said. I knew you would have mercy on them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I knew you would relent of your wrath. Yeah. So praise be to God for that. All right. That finishes out our first segment, so hang on tight, and we'll be right back for the second half of the show. We have two of our favorite guests on with us. Oh. Scotty and Sandra Roulette. Say hi. Hello. Hey. How are you guys doing? Oh, pretty good. You kind of said their name with like a little bit of an accent. Me? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of French. Really? Yeah, the way you said it. Huh. They're not French. No, we're not. No, they're not. They're not at all, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, when you uh, go back and edit this, you're going to laugh. I know. <laughs> 
kind of depends on how you uh, pronounce our last name. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to go edit this now and see <laughs> what the heck am I doing. <laughs> All right. So, so Eric and I were talking about a lot of different things today, and a song that we listen to a lot in the car with our kids is A Mighty Fortress is Our God. By the Martin Luther. And another man, Matt Boswell, did a great version of it on YouTube. Go check it out. But one of the lines in the song, Martin Luther says, Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever. We just noticed that all of these different things that we were discussing at the end of our day today kind of fell up under these lyrics and fell under this idea that is taught in the New Testament of let goods and kindred go. Mm -hmm. And so with the raw lets, we're just going to kind of talk about a lot of these things and how they relate to the command for Christians to die to self, Mm -hmm. to um, pick up their cross and follow Jesus. And, and kingdom building, how that should be the primary focus of a Christian. Right, and, that is, and that's how we build Christ's kingdom. Yeah. That's how his kingdom will come to earth as it is in heaven. Right. So one of the <laughs> things that I have been thinking about, because our pastor talked about it on Sunday in his sermon, is Christians and courage. And he was talking about martyrdom, basically, and being challenged by your government or your society and basically having to either capitulate to their views or adopt their views, accept their views, or else be burned at the stake or be killed or... Receive penalty. Right, yeah, receive some sort of penalty. Whether it's fines or some type of uh, possessions being taken from you, whether it's Mm -hmm. your children or your job, money, whatever it is. And I just was thinking that Christians need to be prepared to... Let goods and kindred go. Yes. It's really easy for Christians to stay in an echo chamber, to keep reading the same kind of books, the same kind of... Listen to the same kind of radio shows, listen to the same kind of podcasts, or what have you, and... That's a good one. (laughs) I would recommend it. (laughs) And... The gospel spreads through Christians speaking truth into their world, into the workplace, into the their school, and spreading it in their family. That happens with boldness. That happens with courage. And I was just thinking about the American Christian church and just how cowardly we really are. Mm-hmm. But all through the ages, the way that the gospel has spread has not, t- not, has not typically been Christians ministering to Christians, but it's Christians going out and spreading truth in every area of life, in every different avenue, in the marketplace, in education centers. And and at great cost to them, like it cost them their life or it cost them a, a standard of life that maybe the average American is quite accustomed to. Stepping out outside of the uh, comfort zone as well. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I know we had talked about it earlier as far as stepping out and Christians actually stepping out of that comfort zone, uh, stepping out of that, that inner circle or the cliques that they normally find themselves in and yeah. actually just stepping out and, and being bold and, and, mm-hmm. and speaking truth. You can relate it to, uh, Facebook people posting political views. You're not really going to change anybody's mind by posting a political view on Facebook because odds are it's only going to be the same people that have like minds that are actually seeing that. So actually going out and speaking at work, speaking out in uh, other forums, actually putting yourself out on a limb and not standing behind, you know, just your same old friends that you stick around with that, you know, have the same, same mindset, Yeah, and it's really helpful for Christians to encourage other Christians. This is true, and this is good, and we're commanded to do that also. We are supposed to build up the body of Christ and encourage one another, stir one another up to good works. Mm -hmm. Those are all good things, and we should be doing it, which is why we do the podcast and we do things like that, is we want to encourage Christians in the church. But far too often, 
especially in America, maybe it's in the West in general. I don't know about anywhere else, but we are super cowardly. We're, we care way too much about our reputation and we care way too much about how people are going to think about us. We care way too much about making things awkward. Mm-hmm. Often people bring stuff up and I'm like, man, if I say something, it's going to make it awkward. And we just need to be okay with it being awkward. God told us to proclaim truth, to proclaim the kingdom. That's what Paul said he was doing everywhere. I'm just, I'm proclaiming the kingdom everywhere. We've debated having a segment called Awkward Moments with Erica. (laughs) (laughs) It happens quite frequently. Plenty of content there. (laughs) We really could. Girl, me and you both. I mean, the gap between our secular culture and a Christian worldview is so vast. You are just going to be weird. And we just need to be okay with being weird to the world. God said that proclaiming his truth is how the kingdom is built. And it's about trust. I mean, it's not suave. It's not mm-hmm. eloquent speech. Like Paul said, this is not how I came to you. Mm-hmm. I came to you in power by the Holy Spirit. That's how you are who you are, speaking to the Thessalonians. So that's what we just need to be okay with saying things that seem crazy to them because that's how God works. Why? So that he gets the glory. Mm-hmm. And so we just, we need to settle in and just be like, I'm weird. I'm, I'm just going to be weird. Well, look at the news. What is loaded on the news? It's the other side getting out there and being weird and being, I mean, confrontational. Look, look at Bernie Sanders. I mean, it doesn't get much weirder than that. <laughs> AOC might have him. She might have him. That's, that's true. That's true. But, I mean, if we if we had um, trading cards, I might trade you. You know, if you had AOC, <laughs> that could be see? a fun game. I think it's really easy in the United States to get in your little safety spot because until like more recent years, there hasn't been much backlash for us as Christians. Really, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, especially if you live in the South, that's just how it is, and so. Uh-huh. There's a church on every corner. It's real easy to just get in your little click, your little thing. You're going Sunday, Wednesdays. You listen to your podcast. You read your books. You have your Christian friends and you have your other friends, as we say. And, you know, you don't really rock the boat too much. You mm-hmm. think we've arrived. Kingdom's here. Yeah. So, like, Rebel Alliance Media has as a standard a post-millennial eschatology. Yeah. All the content we produce comes from a post-millennial standpoint. And I think because the American church is primarily so dispensational and has been mm-hmm. for the last like century and a half, we have lost this idea of kingdom building and kingdom expansion and that being something that is required of Christians. And instead, we've adopted this idea that the primary goal of a Christian is to basically adopt like the Declaration of Independence type of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Like that's mm-hmm. our ultimate end. Instead of being like, I can give up my life, I can give up my liberty, and I will certainly give up happiness if it means kingdom expansion. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And I'm not yeah. against that. I'm not against those things, but I'm saying as a Christian, we should be able to forsake goods and kindred for the sake of God's kingdom, which is forever. Yeah. Well, in some sense, yeah. their dispensationalism and their secular sacred divide is basically a form of Gnosticism where the earthly and material stuff is all kind of bad and icky and we need to just kind of ditch that. Mm-hmm. It's the spiritual and just the church and heaven and that's all I'm living for. And so nothing on earth, kingdom building, nothing down here matters. Mm-hmm. I just need to hold on tight until the rapture and yeah. then we can all get the <laughs> heck out of here. Yeah. You know, we can get out of this cesspool and well, finally get and, some bliss. Yeah. And we live in a, a Christian nation. And you can't see my air quotes. A Christian nation that was now. founded, you know, on Christian <laughs> beliefs. And so it doesn't really matter like what denomination you fall under because you know as long as you call yourself a christian and you you know go to somewhat church or at least you know have heard of jesus and anything missions related because that's the view that we're looking through is all overseas somewhere else Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know so we we don't need the mission here because we're 
in a Christian nation, we need to go, you know, mission in China. People here know, they know who Jesus is. They know what the Bible is. And they just, you know, mm-hmm. they got to choose, they got to choose that for themselves. So, you know, we've told them. Yeah. When really what we've done is we've bought into the materialistic secularism of the West and we gave up on all the Christian values that mm-hmm. are American forefathers began to build this country on. Well, and they understood that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness was only possible by adhering to scripture. Like, that's how you get life. That's how you get liberty. That's Mm -hmm. how you attain happiness is by being obedient to Christ. Yeah, exactly. And obeying I mean, look at at, uh, this past week celebrating the uh, 4th of July independence, how bold people were to step out in their star-spangled banner tank tops and shorts and sunglasses and bandanas, flying flags and shooting guns and uh, shooting fireworks. Well, Just we have, imagine how bold... We are in the South over here, you guys. So yeah, we, yeah. we can do that. Sorry about you, New York folks. I was like, what's going on over there? <laughs> what happened Sorry, we're, the we're here in the South. We can, we can shoot those guns. <laughs> Yeah, our, our flags are a little bit more colorful than your flags. Oh, <laughs> We bleed just a little darker red. I mean, you guys are part of Canada now, right? Rebels and all? No, but I did not realize that New York loved the story of Noah and the Ark so much. <laughs> they do. Listen, we drove through Nashville. They had theirs going up, and theirs was going over the bridge. So they have Dang. the ability to make it arched, but they mm-hmm. like did blocks instead. And like, get, my kids are like, Look, Mom, it's a No Eight Covenant. I was like, that's right. <laughs> that's hilarious. Dang right, you sapling. Well, and I think talking about saplings is important, too, because how many parents are willing to sacrifice what society says is required of our children mm-hmm. for the sake of kingdom expansion? Like, our kids have to be in soccer. Our kids have to be in dance. Our kids have to be in all these different programs. They go to a public school where the state educates them and dictates what they ought to believe about religion and, you know, science and all these different things. And then when it comes time to church, we're sending the kids off to a youth program Mm -hmm. outside of corporate worship. And it's because that's what is accepted as normal in America. Yeah. Then we wonder why these kids go to college and walk away from the faith. If they even make it to college, still claiming the faith. I mean, most of them don't even make it to high school. And so at the cost of our kids and kingdom building the way God wants us to, we lay hold of what the world tells us is our goods. What What is materially good for our kids? What's going to get them the good degree? What's going to get them the good job, which is going to pay them the good money? So that they can mm-hmm. have that American dream. That's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. All of the yep. extracurriculars, all of the the right school, the right school district, the right prep school even to get them into the right college with the right scholarship, blah, blah, blah. All of that mm-hmm. is building a kingdom for self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, isn't that what retirement is? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. isn't that what, like, like you said, we work for all those things to one day to be able to retire and have the house that we want. And just go wherever we want and do all these things that we want to do so we can just, you know, lay back, relax and not worry about kingdom building anymore. Yeah. And as parents, the world says that, oh, you don't want your kids to miss out on this. Mm -hmm. Like your kids have to be involved in this or that Um, they have to experience this or that or they're not going to be normal. You know, they have to be part of public school. They have to have that interaction with kids their own age. They make sure they have that hot new car. Yeah, make sure that they're they're playing sports because it builds the camaraderie and whatnot. And this that's what develops a child properly. Like the the world is telling you that, Mm -hmm. but you're also played soccer. (laughs) But you're also opening up the world. But you're also opening up the world to teach your kids during that time. Also, you're you're signing, uh, you're, off, yeah, you're signing mm-hmm. off on your kids learning their worth, their value and what they should think by who is teaching them, who is coaching them instead of doing it yourself as as the parent, as the mentor uh, to your saplings. Hey, Sandra. 
Yeah. As a homeschool mom, how often have you had women, especially, maybe men, but women especially tell you, oh, I respect you so much for homeschooling your kids, but I could never do that. I am not smart enough. Oh, like everyone. I mean, I've met women who are like VPs and, you know, they run like 20 some clinics full of staff telling them what to do, how to do it, making sure they know OSHA and you know, HIPAA and all that stuff. And I'm like, but you can't teach your kids. Well, I'm always just like, like, I always just want to say, where did did you go to school? Where did you go to school? And they'll be like, oh, I went to public school. Well, then why are you sending your kid to public school if they did such a terrible job with you that you can't even teach your kids? Like, this just seems so backwards to me. If If the public school system treated you so poorly, why would you send your kids there? Scotty had an aunt who homeschooled. And so... When I decided I wanted to homeschool our children, I just did not like what the public school was doing with our kids. So I was like, I want to homeschool. I'm like, maybe I can do this. And so he's like, well, I guess you could, you know, talk to my aunt. So we talked to her and everything. And there was partially part of like, I thought, well, what it, when it comes to chemistry, what am I going to do? Because I was not great at chemistry. But it was more of like, you should have a college degree in teaching to teach somebody. Mm-hmm. And now I do it. And I'm like, what? No, you do not need to have a college degree to teach your kids. Yeah. Like this, especially in today's age. I mean, all the materials right there. But that's because the world tells you that you're not capable of doing something. Yeah. That you have to delegate your children to someone else, your children's education, your children's healthcare decisions, your children's, I mean, spiritual growth, everything. 100. And it's like, yeah, I mean, and I know other countries and stuff, but it's such a, more modern view, I guess I would say, yeah. to say you have to have a degree in anything to be able to know anything. Yeah. Yeah, true. You know, I think there's this fear, too, of like, kind of like we were talking about earlier, of our children falling behind or missing out on something or mm-hmm. losing out on something. And we have this, like, keeping up with this, the Joneses type of attitude of, like, we have to build our own kingdom, you know? Like, our our family has to look right. And our house has to be in order and our children have to be dressed just so and educated just so. And we can't let anyone know about any struggles that we're going through. We can't not fit in with what society is doing around us. That's why we strive to build our own kingdoms and not Christ. It's looking for that status and where you're holding your values to. Like, is my value what my kids can do or the amount of degrees that I have or like what I have accomplished on this earth or of what God has used me to fulfill for, for his kingdom. Yeah. Something I've seen a lot recently is the type of vacation you were able to take. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, especially during the summertime right now, everybody's uh, going out. Oh, where did you, where did you go? Our vacation was not of standard. It was a kiddie pool in the backyard. I just have to let you guys know that. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. We are failing. We're the kiddie pool in the backyard vacationers. Yeah. Hey, but we also had a trampoline. That's true. We did. We and had, a sprinkler. It was the trampoline was given to us, but it basically yeah. sounds like an amusement park to me. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean, if you jump at the right angle, you might hit the awning of the back porch. <laughs> Careful there. No stitches. But yeah, we're just we're we're seeking. You know, um. Uh, justification by status, justification by by reputation or, or what have you, and looking to that as a Messiah to offer us that eternal life, that bliss and that acceptance that we're supposed to be looking to Jesus for. Well, and we're warned of that in First John, too. I mean, he, he clearly says, you love the world, you don't love Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is a verse that came to mind thinking about being courageous in the world and being okay with being weird and some of the things that we've talked about. Matthew ten twenty eight, Jesus says, Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Mm. Why do we fear society so much and yeah. God very little? Yeah. Well, and also, like you mentioned kind of earlier, when we say the Lord's Prayer every week in church, mm-hmm. we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> yeah. 
when we say those words, I think because we're taught it as children, it means very little to us. But when you stop and you think about it, like, no, that's what we're praying for. We're praying that God's will will be done on earth like it is in heaven, meaning like God has all authority on earth Mm -hmm. and his kingdom is being built. His borders are expanding and we're praying that God would continue to grow his kingdom. Right. That he would rule in every square inch of it. Just like he is in heaven. Right. Like ultimate authority, ultimate rule, all exactly. enemies put to death. Like that's what we're, should be working towards, right. you know? And I think we just don't, like our American minds just don't work that way. Like yeah. We just don't process like life decisions that way. When we, have to come up with, are we going to, in the army, are we going to re-up? Are we going to go into ministry? Are we going to homeschool our kids? Are they going to do this after-school program? Are they going to be friends with this person? Are we going to, whatever, vacation here or there? Like, do we actually stop and ask ourselves, like, is this going to help or hinder expand God's kingdom? Yeah, yeah. We need a build your kingdom filter to put everything through. And I'm, we don't do that all the time, and I wish we did it more. Right. But it's because we're not taught to do that. We're, mm-hmm. We have a very, like, two-kingdom mindset. Yeah. American dream is really what's told everyone. Live out your dream. You know, never stop daydreaming. You yeah. You know, like, all this motivational junk that you see yeah. in the world. And that's what people are taught. There's people that I've heard recently talk about how uh, homeschooling is... Is, is not an option because that would mean one of the parents has to give up their dreams and stay home with the kids. And I'm well, like, I know I have every time I have to do Scotty's laundry, <laughs> <laughs> but that's just classic ball worship yeah. where you're sacrificing your kid to be able to worship this God idol idol. Yeah. Which well, is, I mean, that's exactly so, what it is. You, you shove your kid off to school and to whatever. So now your kid is not parented, but it's all because of this dream that you're pursuing. Exactly. Yeah. That's... Because your dream and the kingdom that you're building for yourself is more important than discipling your child mm-hmm. and raising sharp arrows. Exactly. All right. Well, <laughs> well, we hope, Christian, that you are exhorted and encouraged. Put that kingdom building filter on your Christian walk. That's right. Well, we thank you for listening. We hope you come back next week for another episode. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah, let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that you search, they say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart. From original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sinning. Crimes in a dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3.